0: Join From Beer to the Bible every week as Irvin Lee and co-host Sarah Olivera McDonald warn others of the consequences of drug and alcohol addiction by being the voice of faith-based recovery. Every week, Irvin and Sarah help people get access to the treatment and counseling they so desperately need. They explore the depths of addiction and give practical life examples of how to recover and develop a new rhythm of living. The show is gritty, authentic, and simply raw while being rooted in the love, faith, and hope of God. Welcome to From Beer to the Bible.
1: Hi, and welcome to From Beer to the Bible. My name is Sarah McDonald. I'm your host today. We have Neil Williams. Say hi, Neil. Hi. And Seth Peebles. How's it going? From Elevated Lifestyle Academy here today. I'm so happy that you guys are here. Uh, Today, we're gonna be talking about walking in freedom. Before we get started, please like, share, and subscribe at frombeardofthebible.com. As always, we're gonna come to you in a spiritual anchor. We're coming from Isaiah 61 today. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. And that is a perfect scripture for today's guests. They have both been imprisoned, they are both in recovery, and they are both walking in freedom today through Christ Jesus and doing some great work in recovery. So welcome guys. And we just wanna kinda get started a little bit. Um, how, how do you guys know each other? How did you guys meet?
2: I guess I can start with that. Uh, I guess when I was about the age of three or four, went to a church that was formerly called New Church Christian Fellowship. Uh, while there, uh, my older brother, and I were in Awanas, my older brother was around Neil's age. And so I can't recall what group theirs was, uh, but I know for me, it was Sparks. I had a nice little red vest, you know, with that red vest, we would sing, you know, we were Sparks for Jesus, Sparks to light the world, you know, we will shine for Jesus and we'll tell each boy and girl. And it's like, I by far did not tell each boy and girl, but this was a song that I sang every week. Uh, And so, you know, Neil was a good friend of my older brother, Uh, a lot of, Funny things my brother would do, maybe drop things on my head. Uh, One moment, I'm sure you can remember this one in particular. Mm -hmm. My brother, like, I guess, traced a penny on a piece of paper and, you know, ran a pencil around it over and over and over again and convinced me in the middle of church that if as long as you go with the pencil around it, that it'll balance on your forehead. And so by the end of service I had all these marks all over my face for pencil and, and
3: I supposed guess to drop it and it yeah. would fall in the circle. So he had just been dropping this and making lines all over his face. So you're
1: really pencil. not paying attention in church.
3: Not quite. No. <laughs> not at all.
1: So you started out with the foundation of Christ. You guys have known each other since childhood. Um, what was your what did your journey of recovery look like? When did you guys kind of fall? Um, when did you, you know, become in bondage? When did you think that that change happened and that shift happened? Because you both grew up with a spiritual foundation of Christ.
3: I think Seth and I have both had our issues that came before the stuff that we did, but I think we both found, uh, we created a lot of distance between us and the church, you know, in middle school and on leading into high school. And so the distance just increased. Yeah. And so our lifestyles changed. Um, church was no longer a priority. The people we were surrounded by were not God-fearing, God-loving people. They just were not. And so priorities, focus, and habits completely changed. And I don't think it was an intentional thing to go and live that life and say, I don't want anything to do with any of this, but it certainly looked that way. And um, a couple years into it, I know for me, there was no looking back. And it, it had come to a point to where I'm this person now and I can't even go back to church because I'm not gonna be accepted there anyways. So someone like me uh, doesn't belong there anymore. And so I think we had just kind of resigned ourselves to that fact and just chosen that path. And then it landed us both in a lot of hot water. And we were reunited in 2013, um, right down the street from where we are right now in Tarrant County Jail. And Seth had already been in jail for a little while on some stuff. And uh, he had what's called a bench warrant. And so it brought him back from another unit to Fort Worth right before I got booked in. So I came into Fort into Tarrant <sighs> County and ran into him. And uh, that's kind of where everything started because we were both about to launch on this. We didn't know how long we were gonna be incarcerated. Uh-huh. Uh, we didn't know what was next. And we didn't know what to do. We were both just completely lost. So us finding ourselves in the same place together again, um, provided a little bit of hope. And uh, we kind of made that commitment to we didn't kind of, we did sit down and make a commitment that, hey, we're going to live for God and we're going to help each other and hold each other accountable and we're going to figure this thing out. So let's start wow. moving forward.
1: So you guys found comfort when you saw each other when you were incarcerated yeah. and you made that decision to walk with Christ again in jail. Yeah. That is incredible. Did you, do you have anything that you want yeah, to say about that? I think
2: there was a moment of excitement for me because it's like, I was kind of already on this journey of kind of just seeking God. And this is what was weird when I was at the unit that I was on, uh, this guy that came in to minister, you know, was at church uh, on a Tuesday night. And he said, if there's anybody here that knows that, you know, they, they need to get some freedom and that they will do anything to get freedom at any cost. And if you know right now that you're not ready to go home, mind you, I'm like two months away from being released, but just somehow, some way, you know, I slip up my hand. It was just like, I'm not ready, you know, and he just prayed a prayer. And it was within less than two weeks that I was on bench and headed back to Tarrant County, looking at 15 years in prison. And so when I was there running into Neil, uh, when I, I, I was assuming maybe he had traffic tickets or something like that. <laughs> so when he let me know that he wasn't there for traffic tickets, it was like, there was like, I feel bad for you. But at the same time, like, yes, I've got a road dog. You know, things are going to be OK. Well,
3: and he didn't know. But on March 29th, I had prayed a prayer and I hadn't prayed. And I don't I don't know. I couldn't remember the last time I prayed. And my prayer was very clear and very simple. It was God, I don't know if you're real, but if you are, I need you to show up. I've gotten myself into a place that I can't get out of. So if you're real. I need you to show up and do something." And he did. Four hours later, I was picked up and it wasn't, it was in dramatic fashion. So it was very clear to me that that was an answered prayer. So when I walked through the day room and this dude calls out my name and I look and see Seth, it wasn't, there were no more coincidences. It was, okay, here's yet another sign of God saying, I hear you. And I'm here.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. How do you both feel that your spiritual foundation as a child um, led you to where you guys were in that moment, where you made that decision? Hmm.
2: I think I could come with a good answer for that. I think with our roots, you know, with the parents that we had that were, you know, good, loving parents or having that foundation in Christ. It's like when things hit the fan, like the first thing you would do automatically is saying, you know, God, where did I miss the mark? You know, where did I drop the ball here? And so at least for me, I can speak for myself saying it was very, very easy, you know, to understand that God has a solution. I've got a problem that I don't have an answer to. And he's the only one that can provide that, you know, Mm -hmm. so
3: I think for me, it was I didn't know where to turn. And every time I thought about my dad and his faith and the things that he had told me, everything was consistent and everything was calm. So it was every time I looked to the church or looked to someone in my life who I knew was a, a man of faith, I saw peace and calmness. And I didn't have any of that. Yeah. Like I, I couldn't even understand or wrap my head around that. So all I could think of, where's still water? Still water. And I would just think of my dad and his faith. And where does that come from? He always told me the same thing, you know. And so we looked to the word, and that was just there was zero doubt which is funny because i didn't i didn't trust anything or anyone yeah but in that i had no doubt that i would find peace
1: yeah in the midst of chaos there he is Mm -hmm. same thing happened to me i found jesus when i went to treatment again for the first time in a long time um my shame and guilt had overtaken every aspect of that i didn't feel worthy of christ's love anymore Mm -hmm. and um You know, God's word says that we are worthy. We are worthy of his love no matter what. And I love that. What was the hardest part um, in walking in freedom with Christ after being imprisoned?
2: Um, I think for me, it was, that you know, Neil and I had both made this decision, you know, to to walk with the Lord and to, you know, develop good relationships. For me, it was getting out of treatment and going into ministry school. And right around the same time, Three months for me and I think was it what three or four months for you? I can't can't remember.
3: Yeah. Roughly yeah.
2: after getting at least for two me out of treatment it was it was very quick. We both got indicted on charges for me. It was four and a half years prior and for him, you know, pretty two and a half. Two and a half. So it's like we're making this good decision and so there's a lot of questions that came up like, God, if you're sovereign, if you're in control of this, if you've caused all this to work together for your good, like why is this happening right now? Why now of all times is this happening? I don't understand. I finally made a decision to turn my will and my life over to you. But now everything's just kind of blurry, and it doesn't make sense anymore.
1: So you both made that decision, and you both were still going to be incarcerated for a length of time.
3: Mm -hmm. Well, we and again, this was yet another unknown. Yeah. So it was really difficult to continue. We hadn't been doing the right thing for a long time. And so when we made that change in the decision it, it was difficult like of course it, it's difficult for anybody but we had our mind made up and so here we are like a year and a half and a little bit more into really doing this and then we got out and now we're, we have our feet on the ground and we're really doing it out there in the community and then it's like we can't even like even when we try and do something right this is going to happen yeah and we're out of control just can't do anything what do we do and so that was that was a challenge, but. Man, I'm glad we didn't make um, the wrong decision. Yeah. yeah,
1: walking in freedom sometimes means um, you're still going to have to accept the punishment yeah. that you know sure. you you made your path. You know, and you know God is still there with you. So how how did that work? How did you um, accept your your punishment, if you will, and continue to walk through that? What kept you um, What kept you living with Christ?
2: Uh, For me, uh, you know, honestly, it was a little bit challenging going through ministry school. I mean, you're around this environment where people are, you know, trying to walk in faith and they're believing for victory. They're like, you know, you're not going to prison in Jesus name. The Lord declares it, you know, and and there's even people that were giving, you know, quote unquote, a prophetic word or something that they felt like God had shared with them. And at that time I was really immature in my faith. So I would take that rather than, you know, as the word says, looking in a mirror dimly, you know, eventually we'll see God face to face. It's like, I wasn't understanding that we know in part and prophesy in part, I was thinking, this is what they said, this is what's gonna happen. Yeah. Like, but yet at the same time, there's a bit of distrust. I was like, mm, this might be a gimmick, you know, maybe this isn't really what it's all cracked up to be. And uh, walking for two years, you know, while on bond, uh, leading worship at church or having moments of victory, uh, having to deal with that. The consequence for me was nine years in prison. I ended up doing five of that, but, uh, you know, I guess the hope came from knowing that there were some people still in my life that were supporting me, the relationships in my family had been reestablished and they didn't go away. Yeah. Uh, you know, but oddly enough, every single person that was giving me those words of encouragement at that time, whenever the bad news struck, all of them disappeared, Yeah. <laughs> you know, but everybody that was like, I'm with you, no matter what happens, like those people are still in my life today. Yeah. You know, and that's a really cool thing.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. So you're walking with the Lord for two years. You're in prison for five years. Mm-hmm. Where's Neil? What's so, Neil doing?
3: When when this all happened, mind you, I'm still kind of I don't know, greasing the wheels and I'm so I'm getting used to this lifestyle. I grew up in church, but at this time of my life I was not really ready for church. I wasn't ready for small groups i wasn't ready to be hugged i wasn't ready for any of that and so (laughs) seth was he had more enthusiasm he jumped in he went to school and he was with all those folks that he's talking about and so when we're walking through this stuff and people are prophesying and saying this i'm in his ear saying dude this doesn't feel right like and so you know, he was in a challenging position. And then I'm sitting here like, what are these crazy people talking about? And I'm like prophecies, like, I just believe in God again. Like yeah. y- you come talking crazy. Like we know how the criminal justice system works. buddy. <laughs> it's like I don't think so. Nobody's going home today. Well,
1: that's a good balance. <laughs> though.
3: Right. And so, I'd, but again, I'd, I can be jaded. And so I didn't want to be negative. And sure. so walking through that, and trying to be positive and support my brother i mean i had to be there and say listen i don't agree with what they're saying but no matter what happens we're going to be okay Okay. and he tells us that everything will go to the the good will work to the good of him Um, he's going to take whatever we have and do something with it look what he's already doing yeah and so that was kind of what we chose to stand on is and we had been conditioned by our environment to kind of tolerate some craziness. So it was like, well, people are gonna say stuff and people are gonna do stuff. We know what we're gonna do and we know how to do it. So let's just keep moving forward.
1: So whenever you found out that your friend was gonna go to jail for five years, Mm -hmm. what did you, I mean, what happened? what did you feel like? And what did you do during that time?
3: Uh, So he texted me that morning because we knew the court date was coming up. He went to court, we texted before And then um, one of his family members texted me after to let me know what had happened. Um, And I remember sitting and I was at work. So I I looked over it and I prayed and something just kind of clicked. And it said, "Okay, well, you better get busy because he's got to have something to come home to. So then it was just real clear to me that I knew my role and it was time to get busy and get back to what I was already doing. And I just knew that, I knew where he would be and I knew I would be there for him. Yeah. So it was just, I made up my mind. And I knew, I made a decision that day that when he did come home, there would be something to come home to and that it would be an environment, structure, and that he would have a job and that he would know, I I don't know, it would be a direction. And that I would be there to welcome him and show him. And so that was what I thought about that day.
1: Okay, and then elevate. Yeah. was born
3: yeah and then so some years later 2020 elevated lifestyle academy was born um started it march 4th two weeks before covid fun so Hi. that was interesting and then seth came home was it july 2nd twenty one? july 1st i picked you up yeah july 1st 2021 and uh things were in full swing
1: that's awesome so during those five years, what kept you grounded? What what kept the foundation of Christ um, kind of at bay? And and you know what did that look like? Were you in the uh, Jesus Club?
2: Uh, so I, I would like to Jesus say Club. that's that's what I was a part of, uh, and in some ways, sure. Uh, but for me, it was like being on the first unit I was on. Uh, whenever you're kind of just in transit, waiting to get placed on your first unit that you're assigned. I was like, God, give me the opportunity to still be able to lead people in worship. Uh, You know, I don't really care where it's at. And sure enough, (laughs) I would say, he sent me all the way to El Paso. So I'm 15 minutes from the Juarez, you know, border hearing gunshots go off and like, it was kind of crazy, but sure enough, six days a week, I was able to lead worship. (laughs) Uh, Like on Sundays, there was like four or five services. So it's like, not only was I able to grow in my gift, but I was conditioned. You know for hours at a time you know being able to play without growing weary or without getting weak uh, and it was just a group of people that i was with the whole time i was incarcerated uh, from there being transferred to the only faith-based unit that's in texas uh, oh wow was the, uh, prison fellowship academy over in richmond texas kind of outside of houston and sugarland and uh while there i was just given the opportunity to play even more so now it was not only six days a week. It was now seven days a week for multiple services. If there's an event, they're calling me up. They're saying, OK, well, if I was at work, they'd pull me out of work, make me come play. OK, we'll yeah. talk
1: a little bit about what that sure. um, what yeah, that know, present is like fast. and how do people do you request to go there?
2: Uh, like, you does... do request to go there. And it's it's just a small, small selection of people that will make it to that unit. Uh, and so I would, I would like to say that everything there is like, man, this was the best experience of my life, but it was not necessarily the curriculum that I had. It was the encounter that I had with the Lord. It was the fact that oddly enough, you know, it was Neil kind of made a deal with me at the beginning of incarceration that said, uh, I'm going to help you grow and learn in whatever ways that I can. So all you have to do is write me tell me what books you want and I'm going to send them upon request. You know, and so every time it was like not just this, novels, but it was education no, none of them were material. novels. here. I'd, I'd ask for some novels and he didn't send them. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, no,
1: you're in there to study.
2: <laughs> you got to work. Yeah. And it's it's weird. Like, I didn't know I was going to be a personal trainer when I got out. I didn't know I was going to be a life coach. So I'm having Neil send me, you know, aside from spiritual books, like books on finance, books on real estate and a ton of books on personal training, uh, not necessarily the personal training, but training aspect in general, not knowing that all that stuff was going to come as soon as I came home. And, you know, and so I look at, yes, the spiritual aspect of things, but God also wants us to be good stewards. And so it was learning stewardship even when I had nothing so that when I would come out here and have something to manage, that I'd be a good steward, you know?
1: How, um, did you have any guilt or shame while that you were out and he was in there?
3: Sure. What did that? Yeah. Plenty. Um, you know, I, Early in recovery, I struggled with a lot of "whys." Um, I had a close friend who, who took her life uh, right after we got out. It was in August of 2014, and then uh, my sponsor son passed in uh, my third year of sobriety, and we were real close. Uh, there was a lot of "whys," like "Why is this happening?" and "Why me?" and "Why do you want me here?" Then it all came down to I had I always had to resign to the fact that you know I don't mm-hmm. and. All I know is that I'm here now and that you have a plan. And so whatever that means, I just want to play my role really, really well. And so, um, you know, Seth helped me because he would write me letters. Uh, Sometimes he would write me a letter just to say he wanted to encourage me and stuff and tell me how proud of me he was. And hearing him be that positive, knowing what he's going through. Like I knew where he was and I knew what he was around and I knew what he was living in. And so when he's speaking life to me from that place, I had no excuse. Yeah. So there was there was no excuses. It was not I just wouldn't accept that. I wasn't allowed to have an attitude like that. Yeah. And uh, there was no time to feel sorry for ourselves. Yeah. It's like we chose this. We asked for this.
1: Well, it sounds like Seth but, kind of had more of a burning bush experience, and you still had the doubt, but you were still kind yeah. of rolling with it. Like I do trust yeah. you, Lord, but I, I don't understand what's next, and I don't you know I don't really know you know, where I'm going, what I'm doing. When was your big, like, aha moment? Or what was the big, did you have a burning bush experience at some point?
3: Mine was, uh, mine was gradual and in small spiritual experiences, um, answers to prayer and an increased faith, seeing things come to fruition, seeing things work out for him, even though where he was when he got accepted to the program and he got moved, and then he got to play his instruments, and he got to play praise and worship. That was huge. Um, so seeing him him be taken care of by God in there, uh, for me, I I was you know building this career, and I had all these things going on, and so I, there came a time where I felt like I was just grinding and pushing to build something. So in 2019, right before I started my business, um, I had been promoted to general manager of this company. I worked really hard for it, I was teaching a class on Fridays, doing a meeting on Wednesday nights, a service commitment, sponsoring guys, uh, training, doing powerlifting competitions. I just a set a state record. All these things were going really well. That promotion took me away from people. And so I went from managing like 55 people to being a GM and not doing a lot of face-to-face interaction anymore. Sure. When that happened, and then the... So it was a sequence of events, and I heard what happened it was on a Friday, I left work to go teach this class. I would break out for a little while, teach the class, and go back and close the week up. And on the way back, I'm driving back to work, thinking about how I'm going to not say hi to my 55 people. I was going back to this stupid office, and I was going to look at my computer screen, and I said, God, what what are we doing? And he said, well, what we are doing is this. And where you just came from is what you're supposed to be doing more of. And I was like, what are you talking about? And I was thinking about where I just left teaching the class and being with those guys. And so that was the first time where it really, I heard him speak to me and he said, you're going to do something else. And I just had no idea that COVID would happen. I would start my, because when I started my business, it was supposed to be, I'm going to see how this goes because I really enjoy this work and I'm going to see if I can help some people. Then COVID happened, and I was like, oh, I can't rely on anybody.
1: Did you, ha- did you walk out in faith with your business, or did you continue working at the other place?
3: So a year later was when I quit my job and went full-time, and that was um, that was scary. And I remember I had prayed, it was the beginning of January 2021, and I had prayed to God, and I asked Him, I said, if you want me to do this, I need you to speak very clearly and I need you to be loud. Like I need you to talk to me because I'm worried and these don't line up, finances. Um, I can't live like that. I can't live on this, I need to do this. Um, And I was thinking about asking someone to marry me at the time. So I had a lot of stuff going on. And after I prayed that prayer a week later, I was reading a Tony Evans book, uh, Kingdom Man. And there's a portion in the book where he's talking about walking into your territory and claiming it, it's already there. Yeah. And so I'm reading that. I'm reading that part where it's like, it's already there. All you have to do is walk into it and claim it. And an email, this is 1030 at night on a weekday and an email goes off my phone. And of course, knowing the industry we work in, it's somebody who's saying, I'm flying you here. This family has hired you. And it was, it's the biggest client I had had and it was full-time and it was just, it was an answer. It was yeah. something I'd been working on for weeks had just, look, there yep. it is. And while I was reading that, after I had prayed that prayer, so it was like, hello, I hear you. Yes, sir, you know? yeah." And that was kind of, I knew that it was gonna be not okay. It was gonna be good. Yeah. It's gonna be better than okay.
1: So let's talk a little bit about Elevated Lifestyle Academy. Mm-hmm. What is it? What do you do? Um, I know that you're now a life coach for Elevated Lifestyle Academy, so we want to sure. know a little bit about you know, your role in that and how families can reach you guys. And
3: Sure, so Elevated Lifestyle Academy, we are case management, life coaching and consulting. What we do is we work with families and their loved ones who are going through or battling addiction, alcoholism, uh, sometimes just behavioral stuff. We help the family navigate through that. So we educate them on addiction and alcoholism, recovery and things like that. Um, help them understand how to establish those boundaries and how to support their loved ones going through that stuff. And for the loved ones, for the individuals who are struggling, we provide um, customized nutrition plans, workouts. We do music lessons, so drums, guitar, um, piano. Um, What else do we do? Um, We have family coaching as well. So it's a full-scale Wrap around. We just want to show them how to walk through and yeah. at any stage of the treatment process.
1: Yeah. So, when Seth, when you got out, did you go full full time into Elevated Lifestyle Academy, or were you kind of did you did you Neil know, walk you through yeah, exactly is, what he's talking about? This is
2: actually where it gets exciting. Uh, so, being released in July first of twenty uh, one. Uh, I had this radical idea. You'd always see people get out of prison. They would do stuff or they would go like throw money or they would, you know, show their chain and, you know, look at you, you're in there and I'm out here. And so it was a very, very, it was very cocky, very arrogant. But for me, I said, you know what, I'm going to stoop low. I'm going to ask my mom for a scooter. And so she brings this scooter drop her. I guess Neil goes and picks it up. It's decorated with lights, all sorts of, this is like an aggressive scooter with wheels, you know, probably about that big.
3: That's a legit and, scooter.
2: And so, yeah, it's it's still sitting in my mother's garage for my <laughs> nephew's. But, you know, here I, I gave people my word. I said, I'm leaving on a scooter. They go, no, you're not. You know, Neil's there to get me, uh, brings me clothes, like a laptop. Like, I mean, like I was I was decked out, you yeah. know, like I was ready to go. Uh, handed me an envelope of cash, you know, and and it was like, all that stuff feels really, really good when you're like going from nothing in prison to, okay, there's something going on out here. Well, here's the scooter. I take off, you know, riding, Uh, we leave, but I was still a nervous wreck. Like a lot of emotional stuff was still going on. Uh, While I was actually in prison, uh, after five years, I had relapsed, Uh, had had a drink while I was in prison. So I'm sharing with Neil that I'm kind of starting over at this. And uh, come this October, I'll have two years of active recovery.
0: Congratulations! But uh,
2: what's what's really really fun about this is I'm on an ankle monitor. I'm at home. Uh, Neil sets up a job interview for me to be the house manager of a, a sober living that's in a mansion in South Lake, ten thousand square foot mansion. I'll live at this place. And so I'm thinking, I'm going to this interview on an ankle monitor. Like this is crazy. <laughs> uh, but all of it was exciting, you know. And so like the lady was ready for me to move in, you know, and, and start then. And I'm like can't, like, I've got to be home at six. You know? And so I was like, Neil already understood. And so we went outside to have a, a conversation to ask if I wanted to take the job, you know? And so, of course, I wanted to. And immediately, God worked in my favor, took me off the monitor early. Like, I didn't even ask for it. It was an accident. Uh, you know, for the, for the Texas department of criminal justice or the state of Texas or any justice system, you know, they don't make mistakes, Yeah, no, uh, like not with <laughs> us, at least they make sure to get theirs. Uh, but, but what was neat was getting off of that early and me actually having like this spiritual experience of just like Joseph being from the pit all the way into a palace. I'm the manager of a sober living house, you know, house manager and living in that with a gym and while I was there, I was working on getting my personal training certification, mm-hmm. had launched my business while I was there. And so I would, you know, manage the sober living, but also leave and go train people. It was like Neil was saying like, this is the pattern of living now. This is what we do. Yeah. And this is what we're going to do. And it was shortly after that while still doing personal training. Had home group. Yeah. We had the
3: home group. Yeah,
2: yeah, it was good and was working in a different gym for a while over in Southlake. And, uh, Neil had kind of just brought it to me like, Hey, it's, it's ready. You know, like, let's go, let's get into this thing full swing that's and awesome. hired me on as a life coach working for Elevated Lifestyle Academy. So I get to teach music lessons, give the people, you know, their nutrition. So already having that background and training, mm-hmm. uh, just like Neil does, we're able to help these, you know, young men, you know, grow. Yeah. So it's not just, Hey, I want to grow spiritually, but Hey, you don't really have a choice. You're yeah. going to grow physically as well. And that's just kind of the full package deal.
1: You that's know? awesome. Well, um, it's time to wrap up, but before we end, I wanted, how do people, how do families reach you at Elevated Lifestyle Academy if they need your services?
3: Sure, so the best way to reach us is to go to our website. It's www.elevatedlifestyleacademy.com. We're on Instagram, Facebook, um, Elevated Lifestyle Academy, LLC. And then you can find me on Instagram. It's N-E-A-L-S-O-N 85. And um, on LinkedIn. Seth, you want to tell them how to find you? Yeah, you can either find me
2: uh, on Instagram at Seth Peebles 90 uh, and also at NTX Fortified Fitness. And so uh, able to do both of those, you'll reach you know me or Neil for either one of those avenues.
1: And if you forget all that, you can reach us at beardofthebible.com. We're so happy that you guys were here today. If any families out there need help, don't know what they're doing with a loved one, um, that's an active addiction, please reach out to us. We're here to help you. Neil and Seth are here to help you. They have a great program for you to kind of land on. And we're just so thankful that God is providing so many miracles. I heard so many miracles in your story.
0: Thank you for tuning in to this week's From Beer to the Bible. Make sure to tune in next week when Irvin and Sarah gift you with even more addiction recovery information. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And remember, we're always there for you.